Good afternoon. Welcome. We're glad to have you here at uh, Pittman Park United Methodist Church for uh, this Northeast District Conference. And as we uh, get together in this place, let me um, say that uh, some of you, uh, I would imagine most of you, have been here before. Uh, We do have restrooms in the building. They're down this direction, okay? And so if you need to slip out, feel free to to go in that direction and you'll find restrooms uh, easily down the hallways there. I I do want to tell you that that, uh, we have somebody's keys from there. I think these look like house keys. If you want to get back into your house, these these were found in the parking lot. And so if anybody wants to claim it, it looks like three keys on a little ring. And so uh, if anybody is missing those, let me know. We'll have those here. Let's begin our time together with a word of prayer. Gracious Lord, we thank you for the beauty of this day. We pray that you would be here with us in this place, even though in our mentioning it, we know that you have already preceded us here and you're doing the welcoming. We're grateful to you for the church and for what it means. We pray, Father, that you would send your spirit and help us as we seek to worship you and give you praise this afternoon. We lift up to you the work of the church, both its worship and its ministry. Help us to be strong in you, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Would you take out a hymnal for the rack in front of you? Turn to page number 139. 139, 139. As we raise our voices and worship together, would you stand?
You may be seated. It is wonderful to be here today on behalf of um, the CFNA of our annual conference to um, brag on the Northeast District because the Northeast District led the annual conference in 2014 with 97% paid on conference and district apportionments. I think we... We had the highest percentage of any other district, and we are proud of that. Six years ago, the conference budget was almost $12.5 million. This year, the conference budget is $10,336,776. That's the budget upon which your churches currently this year are paying your monthly apportionments upon. The recommended budget that those of you who are delegates to the South Georgia Annual Conference meeting in Tifton will be only an increase of $69,725. Um, we are trying to reach the point of having a revenue-driven budget. Um, I will be able to report at annual conference this year for the first time in six years that um, we had an excess of funds. Not only do, are we not having to dip into our conference reserves, but we had an excess of funds. And I just want to say just a reminder that it is the generosity, it is because of the generosity of the laity of our annual conference that we have any monies at all. When we say the conference does this or the conference does that, we're really talking about us. And I just want you to know that when you write your check to your local church, and you put it in weekly or monthly or quarterly or annually, whenever you contribute, that without your thinking about it, through the world service apportionment, you are are, uh, having a part in paying the salary support of all of our United Methodist missionaries around the world. So when one of our missionaries in the far-flung areas of the world, introduces a person to Jesus Christ and another person comes into the kingdom, it is because of your generosity. It is because of your generosity through the Christian Higher Education Fund that our Wesley Foundations are supporting and our United Methodist Colleges and Universities are supporting. I serve on the board of Payne College, one of our historically black colleges, which all are located in the southeastern and south-central jurisdictions. And because of your generosity, we're able to help students who might need just a little more help to get started in their career path. Because of your generosity, our Connectional Ministries are able to operate the ministries of our South Georgia Annual Conference. And new congregational development is able to start new churches. And what's interesting about our new churches is some of our new churches now have some of our largest worshiping congregations. In fact, 
the largest worshiping congregation in South Georgia did not exist 17, 18 years ago. And finally, because of your generosity, um, we are able, when our missionaries, particularly on the continent of Africa, win someone to Christ and they feel a call to ministry, they don't have to come to the United States at a greater expense because of Africa University. They're able to stay on the continent of Africa and be trained not only as church leaders but in agriculture and other areas. And so I want you just to every once in a while stop and think when you write that check what a world of difference you're making in the lives of people all over the world and the Statesboro District is le- I mean, excuse me. Oh, the Northeast District. The Northeast District is leading the charge. Thank you. Somebody said there are three very difficult things. One's to climb a fence leading towards you. The second is to kiss a girl leaning away from you. And the third is to follow a report by Jimmy Cason. <laughs> I will be honest with you, I've never tried that first. And the second is none of your business. <laughs> and this third I'm going to do now with your kind permission. The late Dr. Robert Shuler said that there were five things necessary to climb a mountain. A dream, a gleam, a scheme, a beam, and a team. I'd like to use those five words to say what I want to say, brother, briefly. First of all, a dream. We have a dream. That dream is to build a new conference center on the campus of Westland College and to give South Georgia Conference a home. For the past 27 years, this conference has paid rent to house this Episcopal leader as well as the administrative services offices of the conference. Second, you've got to have a gleam. So what is that gleam? What are we excited about? The fact that we already have $1.3 million. We already have that. And in this new campaign, 112 people have already given $17,000. And this campaign is just getting going. I'm hoping you receive your letter sometimes this week. If you didn't, we have them on the entrance and how we go out, the entrance and the exit, whatever you call them. The second thing is a scheme. We're asking 5,000 people, South Georgians, to give $100. That would make 500,000 if that happens. And the idea is to try to get this building off the ground sometime in the fall. So we're asking 5,000 people to give $100. That could be individuals, families, churches, groups, Sunday school classes, whatever it is. Now, what is the beam? You always have to have a beam to hold up all of this. The beam is prayer. We've been praying about this for a long time. As a matter of fact, except for the health of people that I pray for and the church in general, I've probably offered more prayers for this than any other thing I can remember in a long time. So we're asking you to join us in prayer. We're asking you to own this conference center along with the rest of us. We are doing it for the present and the future. So the beam is prayer. And then you have to have a team. You can have a dream, a gleam, a scheme, 
and a beam, but without the team, it's not going to make a whole lot of difference. So I'm going to encourage you to join us in this effort. There's a wonderful story of a little boy who was out raising money in his community. He was selling pencils, going from door to door, house to house. Finally, one of the adults said to him, son, what are you raising money for? He said, I'm raising money, $6 million, to build a community hospital. The adult looked at him and said, son, that's a big task for one little boy. He said, oh, no, sir, I got a friend who's helping me. <laughs> 5,000 people giving $100, and I think we'll be well on our way to getting this building under construction. If you did not get a letter or you've lost it, please pick it up going in or coming out. Thanks so much for this opportunity. Thank you, Hal. And you'll be happy to know that when I got the letter, mine's already been sent off. So um, thank you all for being here. I know we've got stuff all over the district going on today. And, uh, and I was wondering how many folks would show up. And then the Lord brought the sun out. After a day like yesterday, I drove through that yesterday. And, and uh, Jane says, are we going to get there? And uh, it took a little longer, but there were some places that they were saying there were baseball-sized hail uh, in our state. So uh, thank you all for being here. Uh, I also want to thank, and, and I'm not going to list them individually, but as you read down through your bulletin, I want to thank you for everybody that's participating today. Uh, and also for Pittman Park for allowing us to come here and, and to have our district conference here. Um, this is a, a great centralized place. And... And it's a place of worship uh, sanctified by God. And so, uh, as are your congregations. I'd like to uh, direct you now to look in your bulletin at the leadership list. And it would be on the uh, inside of your bulletin. And also uh, on one of the leaflets that look like this. And that's the the leadership. And as as you turn to that, I want to make a couple comments about our cluster system. Most of you now know what the cluster system is. We've come a long way in a year uh, after talking about going into eight clusters in each of the districts. If you'll remember in Bishop King's telecast that he put out in October of 2013, he first mentioned the cluster system. And most everybody said, wonder how that's going to work. Now, people in the Statesboro district did kind of know a little bit because we had been doing a little bit of that. We we called them clusters and people had preconceived notions of what clusters were from the past, but we didn't really know exactly how they would work. And then we started putting meat on the bones and we're still in that process. We're not evolved to where it's going to be quite yet. But we're getting there. And we're already seeing fruit. We're always seeing God blessing uh, this new cluster system. Each of you are in a cluster. And, uh, and I hope you're participating in that cluster. Um, they tell me as far as uh, of all the districts that this district is leading in the cluster system right now. As in this will be the second district cluster laity grouping as well that follows this. And, and Jonathan will give you directions uh, towards the benediction 
of where you will go from here. If you will look at those leadership lists, um, I'm the chairman of the nominating committee as the district superintendent. And so this is coming to you from the district nominating committee, which is now called also the district uh, disciple leadership team. Are there any questions on the nominations report? If there's no nominations, if you would approve this report, please say yes. yes. Oppose no. And so passed. Methodism has a, a very long history of lay leadership going all the way back to the beginnings, although uh, the Wesleys were ordained clergy in the Anglican Church, of course, those uh, class meetings that they set up were pretty much uh, led by lay people. And then after the Revolutionary War, so many of the clergy left and went back to England. And uh, who was who was leading? Uh, mostly lay people. And uh, it's uh, my pleasure to recognize the fact that we still have uh, a number of folks who are very uh, committed to lay leadership and to lay speaking and to lay ministry in this conference, uh, in this district. Uh, if you are a certified lay speaker and you were approved by your church conference uh, as a lay speaker in your church, uh, I would like for you to stand. That means you, you're here and, and I'd like you to just stand up. You know who you are. Okay, look around. Uh, now, there are a lot more than this because I have a long list. Uh, but thank you for those of you who are here. Be seated. Give them a hand. Now, it, 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 I looked at the list uh, Chris gave us uh, earlier in the year and uh, for the lay leadership uh, committee and, and asked, where are the committee members? He said, you're it. I uh, used to have a committee, now it's just me. So if you have need for uh, somebody to speak in your church, uh, uh, one of these lay speakers, and uh, you don't have somebody in mind, and uh, you don't have a telephone number, uh, I'll be glad to help you if I can. Uh, that's happened uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were able to place a, a lay speaker in a church and uh, fill a need. Uh, so if the need arises... Uh, and you need help with that, I'll be glad to help you if I can. I, I have that list. Now, I want to say this uh, before I get to the uh, other important recognition, and, and that is there are a number of people in your churches, pastors, you know who they are, who are gifted at communication. They're the people who can, can deliver the message. But a lot of those people are not certified lay speakers. They haven't gone through the training. They have uh, refrained for whatever reason uh, from becoming certified lay speakers, but you can encourage them. Uh, so if you would encourage those who are gifted in that area uh, to become certified lay speakers, it would provide us a, a lot broader base uh, for providing lay speakers when they're needed. And we have within the uh, district uh, eight folks who are not only certified lay speakers, but are also serving as lay supply which means that they're serving a church. In addition, most of the time to their professions or their jobs, uh, they are also serving uh, a church full-time. And I'd like to recognize those folks and have them stand. 
Patricia McDonald serving Blue Springs Harmony. Patricia, if you'd stand. Back over here, thank you. Stay standing. Travis Smith from McBride. Karen Breedlove in Ubilla. Karen here. Uh, Jean Sertivant from Goloid. Steve Brown from Union in Bullet. Thank you, Steve. Thomas Kennison, Union Evans and Collins. Thank you, Tom. Faye Bergamy from Zoar. And uh, I have the privilege of serving at Oak Grove United Methodist Church. Thank you all. Give those folks a big hand. It is my um, privilege to come for a moment and speak about the Georgia Southern Wesley Foundations, and we are blessed to be a part of this. Um, it is our privilege to know that the Wesley Foundations, they, they nurture, they encourage, and they empower the future of our churches. Um, I am a product of the Wesley Foundation. I don't believe if it was without the Wesley Foundation would I be in ministry today. So um, please keep that in mind, and especially in the future as, as they... <laughs> take on new leadership. I kind of have a vested interest in that one, I guess. But um, I would like to share just a brief passage of scripture with you. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 2. For I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Verse 3, but I am sending the brothers and sisters in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. May we serve. So the thought in necessary to urge brothers to visit you in advance, to finish the arrangements for the generous gifts you have promised, and then it will be ready as a generous gift and not one grudgingly given. May we not give grudgingly, but may we give with open hearts as God is calling us to give in this offering for the future of our churches. I'll ask my ushers to come forward at this time as the offering will be taken up for the Wesley Foundation. Would you stand? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Good evening. It's my privilege to present to you the um, 2016 uh, Northeast budget. This budget will go into effect in January and will include January through December of 2016. As we all know, if we have moved from nine districts to six districts, everything hasn't been real smooth, but we're working at it. And uh, as you can see, our total budget for this district for the 
2016 and operational 117,000, missions at 60,000, and parsonage budget at 15 for a total of $192,000. As we have moved from nine districts to six districts, we are feeling our way along. But let me say this. We know that God's in control of everything we do, and we give him credit for that, and we look forward for his guidance and his leadership in all of our endeavors. So as you looked at this budget, and I'm sure you had a time to study over it, but uh, Mr. Chairman, we the trustees present this budget for approval. Are there any questions? All right, if you would approve this as your district budget for 2016, please say yes. yes. Opposed, no. And so passed. All right. Thank you. Afternoon. It's great to see so many of y'all here on this beautiful Lord's afternoon. It, uh, yeah, there's so many other things that... Uh, we could be doing, but to see you here in attendance uh, to support the Lord's work is, is really encouraging for me. Um, please allow me to share a few things that's on my heart as well as some important district happenings. Um, first of all, I'd like to mention some dates to remember. As mentioned earlier about our South Georgia Conference, that uh, uh, meeting it begins on June the 3rd through the 6th. And those uh, at the University of Georgia Conference Center in Tifton, Georgia, and for the laity on June the fourth at 8:30, we need to meet uh, in the conference center uh, for our orientation time as to what we need to do. Another date that is uh, good to remember is October the 18th. That's been set aside as Laity Sunday. The theme this year is Disciples Called to Action, Creating Unity in Our Ministries. Also, there's one other thing, and I never miss the opportunity, uh, don't, don't let the opportunity go by without mentioning the value that we have found and so many others have found in the Cokesbury Guidelines. A lot of you still are not aware of this, this valuable little set of 26 booklets. It covers virtually every ministry within your church. Pastor-parish relations, guidelines for leading your congregation, men's ministry, the pastor, the mission, lay leaders, lay members, solutions, all many, many uh, things there of value. And we strongly recommend that you obtain one of those for the particular ministry that you're involved in. Especially if you're in the nominations area, uh, there's 26 of those. You really need to help the people that you nominate and put in various positions to know what's in that book. Um, it, most, I would say a, about a third of the material that's in that book is not known by the laity that is serving in those positions. So we have found it to be very valuable. Okay, um, the the other thing that uh, I wanted to mention was uh, Georgia Wesleyan Ministry, but since uh, that's already been mentioned, I think I'll uh, 
I'll pass on that. The next thing I'd like to do is to cover the Northeast District goals. Our goals have uh, are divided into five basic areas. Uh, fellowship goal, teaching goal, justice goal, witness goal, stewardship goal. Um, when uh, you, uh, you hear that, uh, you, you, uh, sometimes if you're like me, uh, you wonder what, what some of these names really imply. What do they mean to the church as opposed to my personal understanding of that? For instance, the fellowship theme this year is we're better together. The goal this year for the 15-2016 year uh, is 275 active clue groups. As of March 31st, just the first quarter of the, of the time, uh, we had 190 clue groups. So uh, we need, I'm sure y'all, uh, are involved. But what we need to do is be more intentional about getting others involved that's around in our church. This is a very obtainable goal. We want to get others involved and share the love and fellowship that's available uh, through the clue groups. The second one was the teaching goal. It's know and grow. But by the way, you can go online and, and find details of all this that I'm, that I'm just barely touching on today. Uh, or you can call the district officer, me, and uh, we, can, we can help in that area. But in the teaching goal, what we would like to see is 2,500 people uh, involved or participating in. In March 31, once again, uh, we had a good number there. We have 970 people with 67 new members just in the first quarter of the year. So that 2,500 is very obtainable. I don't know what that percentage is. I didn't figure it out, but it must be about 35% uh, or a little bit better. And we're only one-fourth of the year away So uh, through in, into the year. So I think that's great. The third area was uh, justice goal. And that's one that most people are wondering about. What justice goal, what exactly does that mean? That's really to be more con, uh, con, uh, connectional. Until, until the least of these is the theme for this connectional goal. Uh, what we need to do in our district, our new district, is to develop some long-term district goals uh, and operation, operating procedures of how we're going to do this, the mechanics, the nuts and bolts that we need to do. What we need to strive toward is 100% church reporting. Some churches are a little slow in getting their reports in and, and some of them get lost in the mail. Dog ate them or something, I don't know. 100% uh, of the pastor present uh, participation is what we strive for. And we're right up next to that already. And then we need to embrace the cluster participation. As mentioned earlier, the clusters are functioning. They're doing well. But we want you to be patient with us. We've got more work to do. We're still working out some details and so forth. But there is so much potential there. There's just a lot of great potential there. Uh, and there's good in there for you. And what we want to do is to uh, have a better process and become better and better uh, in the clue group and in the, the loving 
and witnessing of others, which is the fourth goal that we have, a witnessing. We want to have 5% or more uh, district-wide congregational growth. That's our goal. 5% or more uh, congregational growth, and that will happen through the fellowship and the witnessing and, the, and getting people involved in the clue groups and the day-to-day things that get, make them feel a part of this. Stewardship is the last one that we have here. And, of course, we're always talking personal there, our own personal stewardship. And uh, we don't have to go to that. I feel like today that in talking about these things, you know, it's like uh, preaching to the choir because you all are involved. You all are doing it already. But what I'm wanting to do is to encourage you and to motivate you to get those others around you, the other members of your church that aren't involved, that aren't doing things. Talk to them. Get them involved. And and uh, uh, show that you care. And, of course, the last part of that uh, stewardship is 100% uh, apportionment responses by a church. So, anyway, uh, that's the five main things that we wanted to touch on. And you can tell uh, by the numbers already and the enthusiasm and so forth that we've, we've experienced and feedback that these are obtainable. Let's see. The next area I would like to mention to you is that uh, why do we talk about these goals? Why do we want church growth? Why do we talk about clue groups? Why, 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 why? Guys, I don't have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I don't have to tell you, that we're losing a lot of our young people. Do you realize that four out of five of our young people today, when they leave home and go to college, desert their faith? Four out of five. That's a tremendous number. That's why the Wesley Foundation is close to my heart. Most of them are lost in that first year. It's just... It's just you know, it's, it's staggering. And we have got to support our Wesley Foundations wherever they are to provide that, that connection that they're missing and to, to counterbalance the world that they've now been uh, dumped into. And we can blame the teachers. We can blame the non-believers. And we can blame all kinds of things uh, and, and situations why that's happening. But several studies have shown that less than 10% of the parents, less than 10% of the parents, discuss spiritual things at home. And we've got to, all of us, I think, probably do better in that area and encourage those around us. But here we're talking about Christians. Less than 10% of them talk about spiritual things at home. Parents are involved in the church, but the church is not involved in the home. Get that distinction? People are involved in this church, but they don't bring that church home, church churchiness into their home and practice their day-to-day living. And that's where we're weak in that. And that's where we need to reach out and help those that we love and care for and encourage them. Excuse me. And we can encourage each other in our clue groups and various other ways like that. Give me an example of uh, some of that, if uh, you see a couple puzzled looks out there, is uh, of how we, we're not uh, involved with our kids in the spiritual area at home. 
when our kids were growing up and, and, and even when they get bigger, we ask them, have you brushed your teeth today? You know, have you taken your vitamins? Have you done this? Have you washed behind your ears? You know, all those kinds of things that we as parents do. But when was the last time you asked your children, did you read your Bible today? Have you spent any time with the Lord today? Have you looked at the Lord's Word today? That's the message we need to get out to our congregations and the other people. That's an example of how we are involved in church, but we're not bringing at home as strong as we should. But as a church, we are making a great difference. As a church, we see growth. As a church, we see some improvement that's going on, but it's just not enough. God expects great things of all of us. The challenge before us is not that we're aiming too high, but that we're shooting too low. You know, it's, it's just we don't set our sights high enough as a church in many cases. And we should expect tough times. Tough times will spawn great character. You know, Satan and his followers and his supporters, Satan is a real adversary. And he and his followers will do their worst. But what God does is He calls us to do our best. As believers today, we need to renew the same spirit and determination of commitment that Paul shared with the Corinthians when he talked to them about know that your labors for God will not be in vain. We need to be faithful followers to be consistent and endure no matter what. Give God your best. Thank you. When I was in third grade, my father purchased a Boy Scout handbook for me. I loved it. I read it from cover to cover so many times I literally wore the covers off. The 1981 edition, I can still see uh, the, the painting on the front. Uh, Norman Rockwell's Come and Get It. He painted many Scout-themed paintings. I didn't join the Boy Scouts when I was in third grade because I didn't believe in God. Much later, tale for a different day, Seven years later, in fact, I would become a Christian and a Boy Scout. But well, something that stuck from that Boy Scout handbook is its uh, prolific use of anecdotes and stories from Rudyard Kipling, whose work I began to read. But I did not know until long after I even became a Christian that Kipling was also a hymn writer. He wrote two hymns. The first one, called God of Our Fathers Known of Old, is very famous in England, rarely sung probably in the States. It was sung at the funeral of Queen Victoria and also at Kipling's own memorial service. This hymn was originally called the Children's Song. It was eight verses long. Publishers soon removed the first and last verse, which talked about loyalty to country. And the remaining six verses became a hymn known as Father in Heaven, Who Lovest All. Both hymns have the same theme. To trust God above your own strength and even the strength of the British Empire at the time, the mightiest political force on earth. God of our fathers, known as of old, is more focused on trusting God over military might. Uh, Father in heaven who love us all is more about trusting God to be the king of our own lives.
Father in heaven, who lovest all, oh, help thy children when they call, that they may build from age to age an undefiled heritage. Teach us to bear the yoke in youth with steadfastness and careful truth that in our time thy grace may give the truth whereby all nations live. Teach us to rule ourselves obey Controlled and cleanly night and day That we may bring, if need arise No maimed or worthless sacrifice Teach us to look in all our on thee for judge and not our friends that we with thee may walk uncowed by fear or favor of the crowd teach us the strength that cannot seek thy deed or thought to hurt the weak, that under thee we may possess man's strength to comfort man's distress. Teach us delight in simple things and mirth that has no bitter springs. Forgiveness free of evil tongue and love to all beneath the sun. Thank you, Chris. Also, Carrie. I didn't know you could play that well. Chris told me you could, but I didn't, I didn't know that. You know, I am proud to be a part of this team. I could get emotional about it, but we're a team. I was thinking as I was sitting back here and Stephanie brought her, her team forward and, and I saw those four young men standing up there, four of our youngest pastors. Where were you when I was a running back? <laughs> Man, there was some beef up there, wasn't there? But we're a team. And the cluster system coming together is a team. You know, you think some of the greatest people, even if they stand above, were still a part of a team. Take Albert Einstein for an example. Most people don't know that Albert Einstein had a team that worked with him. 
See, Albert Einstein was so focused on what he was doing that sometimes he would leave the house partly dressed. And of course, if the part that he had left off was his pants, that could be embarrassing. People call police for that reason. Albert Einstein was on a train and Billy Graham used to tell a a story that he was going from Princeton and the conductor came down and was asking for tickets and he started searching through his, his jacket pockets and everything and he couldn't find his ticket. And the conductor said, that's okay, Dr. Einstein. We know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket. He said, well, I've got it here somewhere. But he went on down. He's punching tickets to the other passengers. He come back. Albert Einstein's on his hands and knees, crawling around on the floor, looking under his seat for the ticket. And, and the conductor said, it's okay. It's no problem. We know that you bought a ticket. We know who you are. And Albert Einstein get up, got up and he said, young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. <laughs> And then Billy Graham would say, not only do I know who I am, I know where I'm going. Isn't that a great question to ask this afternoon? Do we know where we're going? Do we know where we're going as a denomination? Do we know where each of our churches, the direction that we're headed Two weeks ago, we celebrated at Easter the anniversary of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That has so much meaning into it for all of us. And I'm not going to go into that. Your pastor went into that on Easter Sunday. But basically it means life eternal for us. Today we're going to take a look at what is required to resurrect Christ in our communities, in a place that he seems to be slipping away, as mentioned by Lynn. And we're going to take a look at where our church is headed. In order to do that, I want to read to you from Romans, the eighth chapter, verses one through five, and then I'm going to drop down to verse 11. Romans one through five and verse 11. I'm going to ask you to stand as we read and hear God's holy word together. From Romans, the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 5, and then verse 11. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit is life. Set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man, to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have in their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
I want you to think for a minute, what's the biggest mistake of your life? Yeah. You know, mistakes cause a lot of pain and grief, hurt, anguish. It influences how we react to things, even in the in the future after it's happened. It might even dictate to a, a certain extent who we become if we allow it to. Mistakes can be very costly. Do you know on the average, and I know we have some small, I know most of you here I have, I've met, and I know we have some small business owners. Do you know that most small businesses, at least 30% of the months throughout a year, pay the same bill twice? Larger businesses, it's even worse than that. There's over 12, get this, $12 billion nationwide that are wasted for overpayment of bills. That's a pretty big mistake, isn't it? Pharmacies are known for not making mistakes. But you know, about three prescription prescriptions out of every million prescriptions is wrong. Now, that doesn't seem like very much unless you're one of the three. What if it's a special heart medication that you have to have? Or a blood sugar medication? Or something that you can't go even 12 hours without? Now it's a pretty big mistake. We've all made mistakes in life. That's why God sent Jesus, right? Amen. You know, if we make a mistake when we're playing sports, I mentioned the football, you know, where were these guys when I was a running back? If we make mistakes when we're in sports, it's called choking. It's when we let our instinct get away from us and we go back into the mechanical part of doing the sport. It was Wimbledon, 1993. Jenna Novotna and Steffi Graf were playing for the Wimbledon Championship. Steffi Graf was, for those of you who know tennis, uh, she was leading and she was the favorite. But at this point in the competition, she was behind. One more ball drop on the other side of the net, and I'm not a tennis player, but one, one more point, and Jana was going to win. And she got up and she hit the ball and it lobbed over the net. And then she began to choke and she began to make mistakes. And instead of controlling the game like she had throughout the entire competition, she began to be controlled. Short serves, wide shots. The tables were now turned and it was game point for Steffi Graf. And Jana lobbed the ball over in the net. And Steffi Grapp slammed the ball down on Jana's side of the net. At the awards ceremony, the Duchess of Kent whispered something into Jana's ear. And she began to weep. What happened? She choked. She reverted back to the time when she was just learning how to play the game. Her instinct left her. She lost that which she had gained over years of practice. Instead of playing to win, she began to play not to lose. And this mistake then 
cost her the game. She looks back and she says that's the biggest mistake of her professional tennis career. And I pose to you that there are a lot of churches across our country today that are playing not to lose. When you see churches that get very conservative and, and, and look inwardly, that's playing not to lose. When we focus outward, as Jesus Christ asked us to do, at the end of every one of the Gospels, go into the world and make disciples for me. That's playing to win. But when we're worried about just nurturing ourselves, or we're worried about ministering to our finances instead of financing our ministries, that's playing not to lose. The same thing happens when we turn to the mechanical part of doing church. Rather than looking at the ten timeless values of our faith, baptism, the Lord's Supper, prayer, fasting, reading Scripture. You know, this year we're doing know and grow. And I'm so thankful as I go from church to church that I see the signs that you're participating in the know and grow. Next year, it's we're better together. I'm excited about that because I think that's going to involve fellowship dinners. How about you? Yeah. Justice, witness, fellowship, stewardship, and Sabbath. When we focus too much on the mechanics, we make mistakes because it's just like playing a guitar, playing a keyboard. We lose the instinct of how. Our fingers go. When we think a C chord, our hands automatically go to a C chord. But when we get to the mechanical part of it, we think this finger goes here, this finger goes, and we make mistakes. During my visits from church to church throughout the year, and most of you have seen me in your church because I go to all the churches. In fact, this morning uh, I went to Newington and uh, when Karen got up, she said, somebody come back and said, the DS is out there. Well, what's he doing here? I was there to worship. I'm there to worship with you. As I go from church to church, one question overwhelmingly is asked. What's it take to get our young people to come back to church? How do we grow? And the answer is right here. Go with the instincts that the Holy Spirit gives us. Because when we follow the instincts of the Holy Spirit, we don't make mistakes. God didn't make junk, did He? When we follow the Holy Spirit, He'll lead us in the right direction. See, we're not much different than the Jana Notva. Many people focus their faith on what they think is necessary to avoid death, and that's playing not to lose. That's not playing to win. When we decide to follow Christ and the, the call of the Holy Spirit, that's playing to win. We don't focus any longer on sin and death because we can put that aside. We have the assurance of our salvation, and so we can focus on life itself and what the Spirit desires for us. We gain an instinctive advantage. I like an advantage, don't you? 
We gain an instinctive advantage through the work of the Holy Spirit. And this instinct guides us through the trials of life. It prevents us from making mistakes that we wind up forgetting or regretting rather. It keeps us focused on life itself. In verse 1 it says, Christians are free from the guilt of sin that it produces and the enslaving power that it holds over us. We obey the instinct given us by the Holy Spirit. No anxiety is there about judgment. We can live God's way even here and now. That means that we can know that we're saved in the here and now. Notice I said we can know. What is it that holds us back? The thing that holds us back is going into the mechanical mode of Christianity. We revert back to that time when we were just learning what it means to follow and obey. We go from understanding what the rules are to a point of being sons and daughters of God. I like the feeling of being a son or daughter of God. That means we have a connection. What did Jesus say to his apostles? I now call you friends. I've given you everything the Father has given me. I now call you friends. Verse 3 tells us that the law was powerless. Doesn't mean it's not good. It still displays the nature of God, but it can't save you. The law is dependent on human personality, and human personality has been corrupted by the influence of sin. Only Jesus Christ can save us. Basically, many want to interpret their faith by straddling the fence. But if we straddle the fence, we're back into the mechanics of Christianity. We're looking at specifics of what it's necessary not to lose. Look at verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. When we straddle the fence, we're just playing not to lose. When we straddle the fence, we focus on the minimum requirements or the mechanics of salvation, and we forfeit the guidance of the Holy Spirit. At another college, this didn't happen at Georgia Southern, at another college, during the freshman orientation, the speaker said, female students are not allowed in the male dorms. Male students are not allowed in the female dorms. I want you to observe this. said, if a, if a student is found in the wrong door, dorm, first they'll be fined $20. The second time a student's found in the wrong dorm, they'll be charged $50. The third time that they're found in the wrong dorm, they'll be charged a hundred dollars. Young man up front raised his hand and says, How much is it for the season pass? <laughs> There's two ways that we can conduct our lives under the influence of the world or under the influence of the Holy Spirit. When we try to straddle the fence, we're under the influence of the world. 
And that will cause us to question even our own faith. It's causing the decline of Christ's influence, not only across our country, but in our churches as well. The influence of the world causes us to doubt God and ourselves. The influence of the world causes us to think of that mistake that you thought of when I said, what's the biggest mistake of your life earlier in this sermon? See, Satan likes nothing better than to remind you of your past failures. But the next time Satan reminds you of your past, I want you to remind him of his future. Notice how Jesus interprets the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus breaks the entire book of the covenant into two principles. Love God and love each other. He said it in the end. He said, I give you this, a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. And the only way we can do that is by walking in the influence of the Holy Spirit. My friends, we're better together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have given your spirit to us to lead and guide us. We ask over this next year that you do just that, that you allow our ears to be opened and our mind to be opened so that we can follow your guidance and receive the blessing that you have not only for this district, but for our conference, our denomination, and for your church worldwide. We ask a special blessing on each and every family and church that's represented here today. And we ask that you hold us close to you and close to each other. And we'll be sure to give you all the glory and honor you so rightly deserve. And it's in your son, Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. As, as we share communion together, let me mention a couple of things. We will receive by way of intinction. We'll have two lines that will uh, come to the front of the sanctuary. And uh, we invite you to come, all that are present, to participate. And uh, for those that might need gluten-free elements, we do have those available as well. If you'll just mention this to uh, those that are serving, we'll be happy to serve you with gluten-free bread. I'll ask those that are assisting to come forward and be with me here at this table. Turn in the hymnal to page 12 if you would join me there. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. 
We confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant that is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, would you take the hand of someone near you as we share together in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
the power and the glory forever. Amen. The bread which we break, is it not our sharing in the body of Christ? The cup that is poured, is it not our sharing in the blood of the new covenant poured out for us? and celebrate. The table is ready.
We are indeed, through Christ, better together. We are stronger together. We can grow in faith, in love, and in service. And let us unite together in song 156. 156. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme and glory to tell that old, old story of Jesus and his love. Would you stand as we sing? and his glory of Jesus and his love I love to tell the story because I know tis true it satisfies my longings as nothing else can do I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, more wonderful it seems, and all the golden fancies of all our golden dreams. I love to tell the story, it did so much for me. And that is not the reason I tell it now to thee. and his love. I love to tell the story tis pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his
for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest and when in scenes of glory I sing the new new song twill be that old old story that I have loved so long I love to tell the story twill be my theme in glory to tell the old old story of Jesus and his love. You may be seated. Before we have our closing prayer, I want to give you some instructions about where to go. Now, I'm going to give you these instructions and you're going to walk through the doors and immediately forget them. I can promise you this. That is why we have greeters uh, who can assist you around the building to help you find your locations. But listen, this is where our different groups will be. Um, finance cluster, you will be in the parlor, which is just across the way here on this end of the building. Um, trustees, you will be in the chapel, which is straight across the way here. PPR, you will be in the purple room. If you go out this left side door, walk down the hall, hang a left, go all the way to the end, you'll be in the purple room. Um, missions, you will be in the yellow hall just down the way there. Laity, you'll be in the home builder's classroom, which is down by the front entrance of the church. Evangelism, you'll be in conference room two. Discipleship, conference room one. Those are both at our main entrance. Um, men's ministry, you will be in the fellowship hall on the left-hand side. Women's ministry, you'll be in the fellowship hall on the right-hand side. Children's ministry, you'll be on the main hallway in the orange room, the PPEC orange room. Youth, you'll be in the green room. You'll know that you're in the orange or the green or the yellow or the purple room by the facade on the outside of the door. District leadership team, you will be um, in the PPEC blue room, in the blue room for the DLT. Everybody get that? Good. Good. Well, before we close, I want to ask you to do something special. If you will, stand up. We are invited to be one body in Christ. We are invited to be the hands and feet of Christ. And that is not something that we ever do alone. It is something that we do in unity and something that we do in community. So as you receive this benediction, we reach out and take the hand of those who are standing and standing next to you. Would you receive this benediction? Go forth from this room to trust your God-given Holy Spirit-inspired instincts. Go forth to fling wide the doors of the church to your family, to your neighbor, to your friend, to the stranger, to the lost, to the needy, to the ostracized and the estranged. Go forth from this place to carry the light of Christ into a dark world that is searching for the hope that you know 
in Jesus Christ. Go in His name. Amen.